and um, the gnarliness continues, okay? <laughs> this is, uh, 1 Corinthians is such an in-depth look at a very real church who was, you know, it's just like the closest look we can get to church issues and see it full because Paul's addressing them one by one. And so we could see, uh, remember the culture, very similar to ours, obviously some 2,000 years ago, but still very similar to the culture we live in today. Um, a lot of the issues they dealt with and uh, the answers and the, um, I guess, uh, uh, things that Paul's addressing, they work for now. Like they are applicable now, especially knowing full well that they were the same issues. And, and we have a tendency to think of like, Today is so different than it used to be, but remember, nothing is new under the sun. Solomon said that, and, and it's evident, especially, I know you guys have been reading, if you have been reading through uh, the, the reading plan, you can see depravity is, has been mankind's calling card since the beginning, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's insane, right? The things that, are, that went on and, and uh, the horrible leadership, the horrible practices, the, the way that men saw God and then walked away. And so anyway, so we take all this in light and remember this, the whole purpose and uh, like kind of like our angle of looking at this book, First Corinthians, is to run to win. And to run to win, you need to cut off the, the weights that are ensnaring you, cut off the things that are holding you back. And so we get a real close and good glimpse of that right here in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, let's pray and we'll get started. God, thank you so much for this morning, each and every person here that made it, God. And um, God, we pray for those who are sick or out with whatever reason. We pray that you be with them. But we pray that you speak to us this morning from your word, by your spirit. We'd have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're trying to show us as you guide us, as you direct us. And we praise you, God. You're so good to us. Um, and we pray that we would take these things to heart and we would look at our own lives and that we'd be able to see the things that are holding us back and poisoning us and messing us up. So we pray that you would uh, fill us with your spirit. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Chapter 6, verse 1. So Paul says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, Go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. So Paul is dealing with specific issues here in Corinth, things that had gotten back to him. Last week, there was this gnarly sexual immorality thing going on, and, and they weren't calling it. They were, like, allowing it, and it, it was a continued thing because it, it said, like, he was having his, his uh, um, stepmom to, like, it was not a one-time deal. It, it was continuing. They were like likely living together and, and no one was saying anything about it. No one cared about it. It was kind of like, ah, no, we're just, we're super good. We're grace. We're grace people. Everything's good. Paul's going to get into a place where maybe they're not so gracious as they thought they were. So he says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. The unrighteous in this setting is, is really just talking about they're not justified, secular judges, right? You're bringing matters between brothers before the courts. So you have an issue between two brothers and you're saying, let's bring it before the courts. And in doing so, obviously what happens? Whenever there's a lawsuit, 
like a church and a person or, or lawsuits, uh, a church sues a church or whatever it might be, that stuff makes the news very quickly, right? And it does not look good. It is ugly, right? Believer set up against believer. It was, you know, I heard one commentator said they, they loved legal matters. The Greeks loved dealing with this stuff because, you know, they're very contemplative and they're like, well, let's see what's going to happen next. It was full on Judge Judy, right? They bring or the people's court, you know, and they're coming in and they bring them in. Do, do, do. You know, it's the people's court. In one corner, we have Chris Price. I'm sorry, Chris, man. <laughs> Chris states that. <laughs> Another Chris, so we just say Chris because there's many of us, so kind of wouldn't be able to tell who's who. But I did say price. Sorry, my guy. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, um, but it, it, they would be bringing him. He's like, "What are you guys doing? Like, why would you be bringing this before unsaved, unsanctified, just the judges, you, human wisdom, and in front of everyone, showing you guys can't even figure it out together? Unity." You can't talk to each other. You guys are going to tell us about how you're whole in Jesus, but you can't even deal with your own issues. You've got to go to the courts for this. Now, keep in mind, this is a civil issue, okay? This isn't necessarily like a criminal case because Paul actually references that in Romans. Like, you know, the criminal case, you can bring it before the courts. Get it. I get it. You know, like if someone's like violently attacking or, or has stolen a bunch of, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, why don't you bring them over to the church? We'll take care of it. You know, like that's kind of gnarly sounding anyway, right? They're, they're there for a reason in that sense, but the civil stuff where it's a dis- disagreement and you're bringing this stuff before the court, this is not good, right? And this is what they were doing. And he's pleading with them that this should be handled in the church because of the reputation that's going out. And he says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And you're like, judge angels? Are you kidding me? Like, I can't even, like, judge the difference between, you know, what day it is sometimes, you know? How is this going to happen, right? Judging is funny. Like, you think you you would know sometimes. What... Have you guys seen Dude Perfect? You ever heard of Dude Perfect? Okay. My kids love it. It's really, it's fun to watch. These guys are, like, they're actually Christian guys, and they just do fun stuff, and they've made a crazy good living out of it using YouTube videos or whatever. But they'll watch, and one of the guys is a major coffee snob, and, uh, and they said, let's just see if you can tell the difference between five different cups of coffee. One was instant, one was gas station coffee, one was fast food coffee, one was Starbucks, and one was his own pour over, you know, that he makes every morning. And so they brought him in, they blindfolded him, and they gave him each cup of coffee. And he goes, oh, that one's good. I think that might be my pour over. And you're watching him go through, and he's like, definitely instant coffee. He knew the instant. He knew the Starbucks. He knew the fast food. But he was really troubled by which one was the pour over and which one was the gas station coffee. And in the very end, he picked the gas station coffee to be the pour over and the pour over to be the gas station coffee. Imagine his embarrassment, right? When he opens it, he's like, I've been wasting so much of my life. I should be going to Chevron every morning to get coffee. Chevron, right, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, go to Chevron. All right. Uh, to go get your coffee. But he, he was like, I, and he was sitting there going, I just have a feeling I picked the gas station coffee, you know? And, and, but he's like, but I think it's the, that's the one. anyway." So he goes and 
His judging wasn't quite as good as he thought it would be, right? And they do it with all kinds of different stuff. Hamburgers, you know, from, from Burger King to In-N-Out to Whataburger, which is a thing in Texas, whatever. Okay. So, but you sometimes go, man, I wasn't as good of a judge of that as I thought I was, you know? Uh, I didn't think I knew. The idea here is we're going to be judging in a completely different sense, right? In a perfected, sanctified, completely glorified with Christ ruling with him, but the angels being judged, you think about the fact that the demonic angels, right, that'll be judged according to those things, will be part of that, will be allowed to be part of that. J.P. Morgan, um, not J.P. Morgan, J. G. Campbell Morgan, J.P., that's a different thing, sorry, G. Campbell Morgan said, is there any statement in the apologetic, apost- uh, sorry, apostolic writings in certain senses which has more definite and tremendous implication of the union of the saints with their Lord. Meaning, we are going to be doing and seeing things in an unreal way. You know, right now, the angels are far superior, but God takes mankind, and in, in, as we become glorified, we are raised up to a very high place. It's kind of crazy to think about. But he says, if, if that's your destiny in the future, do you think you can handle little disputes amongst yourselves with the wisdom and the Holy Spirit guiding you? It's, it's funny. A lot of times we think problems are unsolvable. The best thing you can do is get someone who is a godly influence and a mediator and let them speak into your life. Because you get one person as an idea and the other person has an idea. And, and all they're worried about is defending their point, right? You get somebody that can stand there in the middle and go, oh, you know what? You're both totally crazy. Um, That's okay. We all are. And if someone were to do this with me and someone else, it would be the same thing. But someone to be able to sit in there with the wisdom of God to be able to, to deal accordingly. I think about like the crazy, you know, the Solomon wisdom of We'll split the baby in half and, and you know, we'll see who, whose baby it is, you know. You can have half and you can have half. And the woman says, no, no, just let the baby live. That's the mother because she cares. The other one's like, yeah, sure, I'll take half, you know. I'll, I'll stick to my guns. I'd rather have my child live with someone else than to watch them die in front of you. We've been given that ability. He says, if you... Uh, if then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Are you bringing in fallen man with only man's wisdom that is absolutely easily tweaked by certain situations and, and manipulated? It's You guys, did you know that there's just like crazy lawsuits out there and crazy? You can justify almost anything. And people win these things. And the other idea is that if you're looking to, if you're looking to the world, to, to your court system, to your government, to tell you what is right and wrong, then you are saying they are the ones with authority. Do you get what I'm saying? They're the ones that can actually, they really have authority. I know God, yeah, God, totally. But like, you know, this is them. You know, this, you go to them. The idea is, is that that's actually really, really like, uh, it's an unhealthy mindset. You should be going to God and say, I don't care about what the world says. I don't care about what God says. But I think there's a reason people appeal to the world. It's because you can get what you want out of people. But when you're dealing with the word of God, it is offensive to your sin. 
right? We can trick people. You can manipulate people. You can get people, you can get them to see it the way you want them to see it by painting a beautiful story and by, you know, whatever. Man is easy to man- manipulate and we, we can get more that way in our minds. But it's, it's important to understand the authority really it's, that we need to be seeking is God's. Trusting him. I was thinking about some court cases and I just started looking them up because it's fun to see the most ridiculous court cases, right? Like, I like doing stuff like this. This, is, uh, this one was called The House He Was Robbing is Unsafe. This was a, a lawsuit. A man once attempted to break into a California home while the family was gone via the roof window that was located above the living room. While trying to break in, he fell through the window and broke his back, paralyzing him from the waist down. He sued the family for the window and roof being unsafe for him to be on and won. The family had to pay a large sum, and uh, there you go. That's pretty unreal, right? How about this one? We need. This is very you know, relevant right now. The weather was wrong. Most people understand that the weather reports are not 100% accurate. Unfortunately, a woman in Israel sued a TV station and its weatherman for $1,000 after he predicted a sunny day and it rained. The woman claims the forecast caused her to leave home lightly dressed. As a result, she caught the flu, missed four days of work, spent $38 on medication, suffered stress. She won. How about this one? This is a Burger King. A man sued Burger King for a ten thousand for ten thousand dollars and won because uh, his cup, uh, his coffee cup, said "caution hot," but it was actually cold. He claimed that this was false advertising and basically won ten thousand for a cup cold cup of coffee. All right, I got two more. Are you guys okay with that? All right, here we go. Um, I have three more. Uh, how about this one? The crunch berries weren't real, okay? I'm sad and awestruck that a particular... Okay, here we go. This is a Captain Crunch-related lawsuit. A woman purchased Captain Crunch with crunch berries for several years. She felt she was being taken for a ride when she realized that the crunch berries she had enjoyed for so long were actually small balls of cereal as opposed to a natural berry. That's tough. How about this one? Uh, Red Bull didn't actually give this man wings. The energy drink company Red Bull was sued by a man who, after 10 years of drinking the substance, never grew wings nor gained athletic or intellectual performance. And he won. Red Bull was forced out, uh, out of court to pay $13 million for the claim they make in their ads. You know, they say Red Bull has wings, and it says Red Bull doesn't actually give you wings. I have a feeling this might have something to do with that. And then here's, this is my favorite one. This woman sued herself. As a representative of her husband's wealth, she is suing herself for compensation, and her insurer is defending her in this case. If she proves that she was negligent in her own driving, she would receive an insurance payout. So she figured out how to sue herself for allowing herself to drive when she shouldn't have been driving, and the insurance will have to pay for this. Okay, this is... This is man's court. This is what we're dealing with, okay? And it's usually off of a technicality, and we love working off technicalities because we can tweak them and make them work to us. But when you're going before the, God's word, you got to deal with it the way it is. Unfortunately, that's uncomfortable to speak to. 
it's uncomfortable for me to say sometimes. Like, I'm like there's certain weeks, like this one, like last one, you're just sitting there going like, okay, <laughs> let's do a topical series real quick, you know, on why this place is for awesome people, you know, and you're all awesome, you know, okay, here we go, let's deal with this. It's important to understand this is God's word speaking to us, not to make us feel bad about ourselves, but for correction. So we don't get caught up in the lies and manipulation and, you know, because if we live for man, we live like man, we die like man. But we're, we're called to, to honor, serve, follow God. So he says, I say this to your shame. Verse five, is it so that there is not a wise man among you? Not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren. Now, this is kind of a low blow because they thought they were so wise. Like they had just considered themselves to be so smart. And he's like, was well, there not one wise man among you? This is like, this would infuriate them probably. But he's like, oh, can you see the way I see it? You're all so wise, but you can't even seem to be able to handle basic problems and issues. Do basic problems and issues and, and come up in a church. Yes, just like family, right? It's like a family. Do you have issues with your family sometimes? Yes, because it's humans. We're all humans, right? Maybe you don't. Maybe you've got like a perfect family and good for you. You're all a bunch of liars, you know? Like, but stuff happens, right? People get rubbed the wrong way, but it's how you deal with it that makes all the difference. We had that marriage retreat, and it's like, you know, are issues going to come up? Yeah, but what do you do with it? How would you react to it? How do we respond to it? He's like, is there someone there that's wise that might be able to get in between this and be able to handle it? And says, saying, just go to the courts. Let them deal with it, whatever they say. But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. There's the issue. That brother goes before brother. These are two Christians, right? Brother goes before brother. And this is in front of unbelievers. Your witness is weak when you see this. Just like all these reports are coming back to me. If they're getting all the way back to me, everyone around you knows this. This hurts the name of Jesus. You guys know that like when, when there's, uh, Im, you know, uh, immorality or, or um, like sin in the church, it hurts the whole church. Not just like the, this church, the church. So this, the health of like the body worldwide, it's really important to us, right? Because people, all they have to do is look at the, the lowest common denominator, right? And find the one that they can see. It's important to us that, that not just this church, definitely this church, but also the church, there's about a thousand of them around here, if you haven't noticed, right? All of them that are saying Jesus is, is, is the way to eternal life. He's our savior. We need to believe in him and repent and be changed. Like all of us who, who are Bible believing, Jesus following Christians, we need them to be strong with us. That's where the whole competition thing has got to go out the window, right? It's like saying, oh, you're, I don't like your arm over there. I'm a leg, you know? Let's make the whole church legs. Weird. Maybe it was something from like Sid from um, Toy Story. You remember the first Toy Story? He had all these like weird, anyway. But so verse seven, he says, now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? 
He says, you've already failed because you went before the courts. This is a failure for the church. This, I want you guys to see this is really, really not good. This does not look good. The way we treat each other is important. The way we work through things is important. You know, take that to your house. You know, say you have kids. The way you and your spouse work things out is important because it shows something to them. So you have a lot of kids that say, oh, yeah, my parents love God, they, but they love fighting more. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents, yeah, they love, they love God and they go to church all the time, but they're fully hypocrites. When I, like, listen, we're all hypocrites in one way or another to a certain extent, right? None of us are perfect. But there's, there's a value to, man, being who you say you are it makes a difference. The world sees it. Paul says, why do you not rather accept wrong? Why, why don't you, it, it would be so much better for the church, which by the way, this kind of gets your mind to understand it's really not about you, right? It's kind of like the thing. I was talking with my uncle yesterday. He was in town. We were talking about baseball and how baseball has become all about like launch angles and it's really all become all about home runs. It's home runs and strikeouts is what it's become. And growing up, like when I played baseball, and I'm, sound, I'm sounding old saying this, like back in the day, you know, when things were good, you know, when this country was, you know, in great shape, you know, or whatever. And baseball was baseball, and men were men, you know. Anyway, we were always taught to, to give yourself up for the person, uh, for someone else on your team, right? So if you're a runner on second, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to hear this. If you have a runner on second and you have, you have like no outs or whatever, you, your job is to hit the ball to the right side of the infield because that gets the runner from second to third and gives them a chance to score. So you give yourself up. Maybe it even means bunting, which is like bunting, uh, eh, you know. You mean my goal is to hit it as light as possible? Okay, yeah. Yeah, the girls are going to love this. You run to first. You better run to first too, you know. And so you do that. And the idea is to give yourself up for the benefit of the team. Because you got to take runs when you can get them. So if you have a runner in scoring position, you make it happen. You don't strike out. No matter what, you hold that bat, you know, choked all the way up and you just barely get a piece of it. Don't strike out. You strike out, you leave a runner out there. It's like, man, it was like run. Our coach would be like, oh, you made a mistake, run. 25 poles, and you're like, 25 poles is like from foul pole to foul pole. You just keep running, you know? That's fundamental baseball. Okay. Now it's like, uh, you know, I get paid if I hit home runs. I don't get paid to bunt. doesn't look good in the stat line. But the idea, the fact of the matter is, is that really the teams that win are the teams that put team first. They do the little things that matter the most. So when you have been wronged, you have to be able to sit there and go, I have been wronged, yes, and I don't avoid that. I don't, like, uh, avoid the, you know, whatever, but it would be better for me to just leave that alone and then just to, like, get through it, whatever, and not drive the, drag the name of Jesus through the mud in front of everyone. Because the, the body of Christ is more important than just me. By the way, God is able to repay you, okay? That's the other thing. He's... More than capable. A lot of times we think if we don't figure out how to be repaid or how to write justice, then, you know, God, you know, it's his time passed. He can't. No, he will 
he will take care of you. He will honor you. Man, that's a blessing to him. He's looking for you to, to do that stuff in the margins where things are sketchy and scary and weird. And, and man, no, I do have a right to that. But I will forgo my rights for the fact that I don't want to drag the church through this. This is not what I want to do. See what I'm saying? This is, it's hard. I mean, we're like, oh, this is very interesting. We're learning about, a lot about this. Now, wait till it happens to you. You want justice. <laughs> I saw in one commentary as a pastor who was talking about how when people ask me to come up and pray for them, they say, I have a legal court case and I need you to pray for me. And you just, you know, to pray that I win this legal court case and say, okay, all right, all right. God, I pray for justice to be <laughs> in this legal court case. I don't know the other side of the story. <laughs> I can't pray for you to win. I can pray for God to do what he's going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, because people are like, oh, this terrible person. And then you meet the other terrible person and they're actually not terrible at all. Or actually, maybe, maybe they are. You're like, you guys are the both same kind of terrible. You should hang out together, you know? You guys could be best friends, you know? But the idea is like, why, why just rather, just accept the wrong. Take it, take the loss, doesn't matter. Let yourself be cheated. Just let it go. By the way, if you lend someone, you know, in a lot of situations, you lend someone money, you could just, I've heard, you know, just say it's gone in your mind. Expect it to be gone. And if it comes back, that's amazing. But you got to have that mindset or else you're putting yourself in a kind of an awkward position, right? By the way, if someone lends you money, it's not gone. Don't do that, Okay repay that, right? Don't cause your brother to stumble or sin. But if you're the one that's giving it out, man, you just got to be able to go, all right, you know, there was no paperwork signed and you know, I know I'm supposed to do it. Just do it, you know? Verse eight, he says, no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do things, these things to your brethren. Like that's appalling to Paul to think that people are doing this in the church that they do wrong and they cheat. Here's the thing. If you're the person that does wrong and cheats and gets away with it, that easily becomes a lifestyle. If you ever cheated on a test, I'm not going to make you raise your hands. I'll ra yes, I did. We, I had a full elaborate system. We would grade our own tests with a red pen. Well, you know how easy it is to put a black ink in a red pen? It's like, you know, the thing. Anyway, super easy to do. I'm sorry. Is there kids here? Is there any children? Okay, no. All right, good. But we would grade it, or, or, someone, or a neighbor would grade it, and they'd hand it back to you. You know, here you go, uh, and you just write it with a red pen. You're like, yeah, this is, change it. And then the real red pen's next to you, but it looks like it's blue. So then you get in trouble. No. But when you cheat, you don't go, I got away with it. Oh, never going to do that again. No, you say, oh, that was cool. How do I do this more, right? You know what would be better is actually to just not take it at all, and then just write them in as I go. Oh, yeah, check. That one was right, you know. 13, you know, whatever. But when you cheat or you find a way or a loophole, you continue to go through that loophole, right? And you kind of, then you take another step and you go a little further and you go a little further. Most people, when they start, when they're, if they, they do major, major like grand theft or whatever, they didn't start there, did they? Pack of gum, Snickers bar, whatever you could do. Next thing you know, it gets a little bigger, gets a little bigger, gets a little bigger, gets a little bigger. And you look back and you go, I'm controlled by this thing. 
So he's saying like, you don't want to be doing this to one another. You don't understand the lifestyle you're setting up. And this next section is going to be all about lifestyle. Single sins that become lifestyle sins. You know how easy that is to happen? Well, it's, it's a lot harder when you don't have the single sin that turns into a lifestyle, right? You never go from, you know, not doing it to saying, well, I never did it, but now I am this, you know? That just doesn't happen. You know, I've never done drugs and I'm a drug addict. You're like, okay, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense, right? There's a starting point there. Verse nine, he says, uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Taking your sin seriously is basically what he's saying. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying a lifestyle of sin costs you more than you ever imagined. Cheating once can lead to a lifestyle of cheating. And it opens up a whole door of unrighteousness. And this is, again, this is habitual lifestyle stuff that defines you. Now, you read through that list, and you, you, I'm sure there's certain things you see, and you go, mm-hmm, see, it's in the Bible. That's the bad one. And then you see the ones that, like, maybe you've struggled with, and you go, well, grace, you know. <laughs> that one's fine. That one's different. You know, it's like the, the order is, you know, it's kind of all over the place, right? And it doesn't say, number one, worst one. Number two, worst one. Number three, worst one. And these ones aren't that bad. They're all there, right? They're all lined up right there. Now, because there's, there's a one side of us that would say, ah, you know, some of these just don't apply to our world today. This was, a, you know, especially like, you know, dealing with homosexuality, right? This is an issue in the world we live in. And so you're either pressed to say, no, it's totally okay, or, you know, like, that's the one sin you should never do, you know? It's like, that, that's the, the, the sin that sends you straight to hell. But the fact of the matter is, we have to see it as a complete, all of these things together. Not that, you know what? All of these things are very restrictive to mankind, to the, our thinking. All of these things don't appeal to our flesh. We want these things. Fornication, idolatry. Yeah, idolatry, I don't have any idols. You don't. Maybe you don't have an actual graven image. You have idols, if you're not, if you're like, or you have at times, right? It's easy to have idols, things you look to for something that you're expecting more out of than you should, that affect you and influence you in a different way than they should. Adulterers, you know, that goes all the way across the board those who take something that is not theirs, homosexuals and sodomites, that's in the same category. One actually was a little bit more relevant to prostitution in a sense. Nor thieves to steal, to take. Stealing is very broad, is, not, is it not? It's easy to steal, right? It's easy to make, and it, that one seemingly is so easy to justify. Well, it's because of you know, because of this, you know, it's not actually stealing, but kind of, you know, nor covetous. Well, that, that's a hard one. Wanting something you don't have, someone else has, nor drunkards. What does that mean? Your lifestyle is, is, is surrounded and, and it, dr being drunk, getting drunk has become common to you, normal. 
nor revilers, nor extortioners, those who are manipulating situations will inherit the kingdom of God. You go, what? Will inherit the kingdom of God. That, this is talking about a man that is enslaved to sin, but we as Christians are not to be those people. Slip, fall, yes. I, I encourage, you know, we got to try and like continue to look to God for that not to happen because the one little slip can lead to like another and another and another and another and you find yourself completely wrapped up in all of it. But the, th- the fact of the matter is, all these issues are not like antiquated issues. They're the same ones we have today that we deal with. And some of us have things like a drive in us that are going to go more one way, more another way, whatever. But to say, you know what? My life is not my own. God, you call the shots. As much as this seems so good to me in my flesh, I know that you know what's best. This is an interesting culture that Paul's writing to. I actually read in Guzik that the that in Corinth and in the Greek culture and Roman culture, there was, uh, homosexuality was rampant, by the way, back then. 14, this, I, this blew me away. 14 out of the 15 first Roman emperor, emperors were either bisexual or homosexual. Isn't that crazy? You're like, no, that's, no, that's not then. This is now, right? So Paul was speaking this in a dangerous time to say the truth about it, Right? So he was, he was speaking to them in a place where it would know, be tough. Idolaters, that was heavy in their time, right? Remember Paul got rolled because of the goddess Diana. They weren't selling their idols anymore. <laughs> he was bad for business. And he stood there and they wanted to kill him because of it. Fact of the matter is, we can't worry about what the world says when it's all said and done as to what morality is and what God's word says. Nothing is new under the sun. This is time tried, true, tested. Believe it. Honor God with your life and you will, it's gonna be a blessing. It's gonna be huge. It'll be a good thing. Trust him. Believe him. Don't be, you know, and, and the other thing is, is when you see people who are caught up in this stuff, look to them to help them. Not like, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. Look to help. Because listen to how, what's the next section? What does he say? And such were some of you. That was you guys. I remember. You ever have friends that like just bring up the old stuff and you're like, no, my kids are around, you know? They don't know that person, you know? And they'll be like, oh, hey, remember when? You're like, oh, oh I don't like the starting of that story of remember when. That didn't sound good especially since I know when was when for you, and I know the stories you tell. No, to be honest about that stuff. But, hey, do you remember how it used to be? Man, this is when you're dealing and you're, you're talking with someone, especially someone caught in sin, it is so important to remember that that was you when you're, when you're talking to them, to have all that grace for them, to not be like, oh, you just need to get right. Pull it up by your bootstraps. Get it together, you know. Uh, do you remember what it felt like when you were caught in this stuff? You literally didn't believe there was a way out. Do you remember that? I remember, th- I remember thinking in sin, I can't find my way out. I, it's, like, it's like stuck in like nets of ropes and webs, and you're just like, you couldn't see out. It was just like surrounding you, you know. 
And you just, it was like, I, I don't know where to go. And then God comes, he rescues, he frees you. And you, those chains are loose and you're so stoked on it. And the people who would look at you at that time and be like, oh, psh, sinner, like I thought. Those people had no merit. And you're like, you don't care about those people. You forget them, you know? The people who treat you disrespectfully or whatever, and they don't like love on you. They give you all the problems, but no solutions. That's why it's important as Christians to always remember, this is who you were. This is not who you are. Because sometimes we go, yeah, well, I'm just keeping it real. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I sin to just kind of keep it real with the culture, you know? Yeah, it's like good for me to kind of stay there. Listen, listen, you'll keep it plenty real with the culture trying not to. <laughs> trying to honor God, seeking to honor God. By the way, you don't try not to sin. That doesn't, that doesn't work. You look at him. You don't look at the sin. That's how it works. But he says, such were some of you, but you were justified. But you were washed and you were sanctified, but you were, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. God did a work in you and set you apart. That's sanctified, right? Set you apart. You are now whole in him. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul was very, very... Um, Man, he was all about freedom because he grew up in such a legalistic like way, right? So he's all about like, man, I'm, all these things are lawful for me. I'm not under the power of the law because Jesus did it and all of these things. And I think some of the church of Corinth had taken these words and said, well, all things are lawful, cool, you know? If all things are lawful, we could just do whatever we wanted to do. But he says, food's for the stomach and the stomach's for food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. See, in Corinth, uh, the idea of even like prostitution was not a really a big deal to them. It wasn't like not even all that risque. Even in the like different religions, it was like part of their religious worship. So for them, it was kind of desensitized. You know, how it's easy to get desensitized to things and you just don't even realize that's like, you know, that's not even a problem. Is that a thing anymore? I don't even know. But to them, it was kind of like that. So he's like, man, don't have anything to do with any of this. Like it's not. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God will, bo uh, and God both raise up the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. That's good news if you've been struggling, isn't it? That's good news if you've been if you feel like you're stuck. He says, "Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not." I mean, this kind of points to the fact that there was people in this church in Corinth that were real believers that were going and seeing harlots. They're like, well, you know, whatever. All things are lawful. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a, you know, the whole idea of stomach for food and food for the stomach. He's like, well, just, you know, other organs are for other things and that's fine. Just use it. It doesn't matter. That's just a man's perception. This is man's twisting and they had allowed this thing that Paul had said, which was so beautiful, freedom. And they'd taken this grace and they said they'd taken it to a completely different place where they were no longer free and their bodies now had become in bondage to their sexual appetites. <laughs> Easy to happen. Told you, this is really fun stuff to go through, right, this morning. He says, certainly not. 
Verse 16, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. This means that it is more, there's more to it than you think. There's more to this than you think, and it costs you more than you think it does. Then he says in verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, isn't that interesting? Sins against his own body. Like, it hurts you. Don't think about them, you. It hurts you, because that, like, gets our attention more, right? Oh, it hurts other people. Oh, that's kind of sad. It hurts you. What? You know? Me? I don't want to be hurt, you know? So people can watch like knee surgeries or something. You're like, oh, no, because I think about me, not that person. I don't know that person, you know? Why did they let you video this? I have no idea. Those are weird. These are weird people, okay? Unless you're one of those people. If that's you, that's fine. You know, hey, great. Kind of weird, though, right? I don't know. Education. But no, it hurts you. But what does he say? Flee sexual immorality. Who do you think of when you think of flee sexual immorality when you've, been, when you've uh, especially if you've been reading through the plan. Joseph, right? Potiphar's wife. By the way, she was beautiful. Was she not? It said that, right? And he tried, she's like, come to me. And he's like, nope. <laughs> and he rolled out. He ran. And so much so that she, was, she ripped some of his clothes. with. It's like, oh my gosh, this woman really liked him, okay? And he just, but he knew, I think he knew, you know, you stick around here too long. Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. <laughs> Easy for a bad thing to happen if you just kind of hang out there. But he ran, flee from immorality. Run from it, sprint from it. Burn every bridge. So a lot of times we go like, oh, I don't ever want to go there again. But I'm not going to close that door. I might want to hang out over there, but not go in. But like in the door jam, like if there's an earthquake, I might need it, you know? Also, there's other people in there. I need to be able to reach out to them. No, you do not need to go over there. Burn the bridge, you know, light it on fire, get rid of it, let the rain come and wash it out. That bridge needs to be gone. That's fleeing it because you see what it can do to you. Now, Joseph's story, he got, he was wrongly accused, right? But the fact of the matter was, he was right before God, and God still had a good plan in him, right? Even though he was wrongly accused. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? That's the women's studies can be forgotten, God, Francis Chan. It's all about the Holy Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's rad, by the way. Forgotten God, the third part of the Trinity that everybody goes, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Sometimes in worship, I feel a little flutter, you know, okay, no. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the living God inside of you to empower you. Do you not know how beautiful that is and how crazy it would be to cover that up or to to do anything that would hinder his work in you to defile the temple to bring Jesus with you where you go? <laughs> For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This, is, this chapter is really all about 
you are not your own. And you go, that's crazy. (laughs) Why would I sign up for that? Oh, it's beautiful because God has better plans than you do for your life. He has better ways of working things out and, and, and leading you. And you, if you can learn to not be all about yourself and be selfish and be selfless, you find out this is what it was all about. He starts using you. You start seeing where he takes you. Where are we going to go? But it's really sobering to think about the fact that, man, we are gods. We belong to him. And he paid full price for us. He, he absolutely cares about your purity. He absolutely cares about my purity. He absolutely cares about your thought life. He absolutely cares about what you do, where you go, how you react and interact with people and, and, and dealings. And when you've been wronged, how, man, how much of a bull you are to come in and say, I am the justice of the Lord. But to sit back and go, man, God, you are good. You are, I don't care. <laughs> I'm already so far ahead in this game. I was a sinner, dead in my sin. Ready, just, just death was standing at the door. I couldn't get out. I couldn't, you saved me from all of that. What's a small loss? Say it's a financial loss. Who gave you the ability to make it anyway? A lot of times you get stuck in your head and you go, oh my gosh, Lord, how is this going to work? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to do all these things and you start getting in your mind. You're like, oh, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, if I do that, ah, I, I got to manage, I got to manipulate, I, gotta, I don't know how to handle all of these things. And you go, oh yeah, God's there too, huh? Maybe I'll just honor him, see what happens, you know? And he's like, oh, oh good, because I have no problems with any of this stuff. So just, just trust me, I've got you. I'll control, I, I, it's all under control. So don't try and make your life your own again because you're not good at handling it or managing it. Trust me. So that means taking the stuff that is so near and dear to you is like let go of this stuff so God can have more access and control of your life. Will you ever regret that decision? Never. Will it always be super easy? N- no. But you will never regret allowing God to have all of you. And to giving up things that are holding you back. That are stopping you from just that running to win. That's coming up soon. And you're like, man, we are called to to fly, to go. We have those Red Bull wings. Don't sue me because I said fly, you know. I don't know. What's heaven going to look like? Are we flying? I don't know. You know, whatever. Be kind of cool. No promises, though. You know, you can't sue me in heaven. I don't think you can sue in heaven anyway. I'm guessing from these texts. 100%, 100%, you can't, okay. But the fact of the matter is, is just like, man, we just allow God that full range of your heart, your mind, your body. Remember Paul speaking to them, remember what he said a couple chapters ago. I, you guys can have a bunch of teachers in your life. I'm your spiritual father. I love you. I want you guys to be free. Don't let this stuff take you out. Don't let it pull you down. Don't let it become your identity. Don't let it become your life. Follow Jesus, give him full access, and then you can run to win. All those weights and all those snares and chains just fall off. Be able to run to win with, with a clean conscience before God, seeking him, honoring him. So let's pray for that. God, we are so, um, it's heavy. It's so heavy We how easy it is to get caught up. 
And we know that because we're humans and we experience these things. So God, help us to, to actually take real inventory in our life. Even as it says that list of, of things that are, are so prevalent in our culture and in every culture of mankind. Help us to look at those things and not look at the things that we see in others, that we'd see the things that are, man, they're 